Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, this is the Spoken Edition of Wired. In Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, Planet Sovereign Defies Physics, by Rhett Alain. One of the great things about movies set in space is that the writers have the opportunity to come up with some fantastically crazy situations. Just look at the Planet Sovereign. Revealed at the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Don't worry about why the Guardians are on this planet too much. Instead, let's just focus on the planet itself. It looks something like a caterpillar. It's fantastically awesome, and I'm okay with that. However, there is a small physics problem here. Planets, you might have noticed, are spherical. The planet Sovereign is decidedly not. But why are planets spherical? Is there a physical reason why a planet might have ended up looking like some sort of fat intergalactic caterpillar? Perhaps I can answer this question with some Python models. Modeling a planet. What is a planet? It's essentially a collection of mass that is mutually attracted to each other through the gravitational interaction. I can model planet formation by using large spheres that interact gravitationally. This is what I started when I started investigating the totally made-up concept of gravity balls. Instead of a planet being made up of 10 to the 24th kilograms of stuff, let's say instead that I have maybe 100 balls. Of course, if there was only a gravitational force between these balls, they just glom together. So I'll add two additional forces. First, there will be a drag force that is proportional to each ball's velocity. This will make everything eventually settle down. Second, I will add a spring-like force between touching balls. When a ball overlaps another ball, there will be a force pushing them apart that will be proportional to the distance they overlap. The best way to make a model with 100 balls is to start with just two balls. So, I made a program that shows just that. Now that it works, I just need more balls. In the video I made, you can see how these balls collide. Now that it works, I just need more balls. Then I added a hundred balls. And they look similar to my gravity balls program, except there's a spring force pushing these balls apart. Why do these balls end up in a spherical shape? Let's think of the total energy of these 100 balls. Their energy is due to a combination of kinetic energy and gravitational potential energy. The kinetic energy is simple. It depends on the ball's mass and its speed. 
But the gravitational potential energy is a bit more complicated. If you take any two balls, the gravitational potential energy decreases as the two balls get closer together. This same idea applies for any two balls in the group. This means that there are 4,950 gravitational potential energy terms. This is the same as the number of possible pairs of 100 items. When these balls start far away from each other, they're at rest. So they have gravitational potential energy, but no kinetic energy. As the balls are attracted to each other, the drag force kicks in and the system decreases in total energy. The only way to stop losing energy is to stop moving. So the balls end up at rest again. The final state of the balls has to be lower than the initial state, and this has to be due to a decrease in gravitational potential energy. So there's your answer. Balls that form a sphere are the lowest energy configuration. Seriously. Non-spherical objects. Now, it's true that there are non-spherical objects in our solar system. Many of the asteroids that we see look sort of like a potato. However, once the object gets to a certain size, it always becomes spherical. We can explain why by going back to the gravity ball model. What if there is yet another force between balls? Not just a gravitational interaction and a spring force, but something else that holds them together. This extra force is the same binding force that you would find in a typical rock on Earth. The rock is held together by these structural forces, and the same is true for large asteroids. So if you look at one gravity ball in a collection of gravity balls, there is a battle. The battle is between the overall gravitational force that wants to smash it into a sphere and the structural forces that want to keep the ball connected to other balls. Since the gravitational force has a long range, it eventually wins and beats out the local structural force. But of course, I have to model this. First, I am going to start off with gravity balls in some sort of linear structure, so that I can see if they maintain their shape. Second, I am going to make a structural force by allowing the interball spring force to not just push the balls apart, but also to pull them together over some short range. In a group of 30 gravity balls with a structural force, you can see this. Without the structural force, these balls just make a sphere, as one would expect. But what about more balls? I'm not going to show you the actual program, because it runs really slowly. Instead, I will just tell you about the end result. So here is what happens for 97 and 208 gravity balls. Just for completeness, this is what the 200 balls looked like at the beginning of the program. They were all straight in a linear line. And now, they've formed into some sort of spherical object. If you want to try this out for yourself, you can. Just change the number. But there are some things to watch out for. First, I use the variable n to draw the three rows of balls. If you put n equal to 100, you actually get 298 balls. Second, if you have a large number of balls, you might need to change the drag coefficient. I usually put it around 0.2 to 0.3, but even that can cause a problem. As the balls start forming a spherical blob, the collective gravitational force can compress it so much that it actually explodes. It's really kind of interesting, but it makes it take much longer to settle back into a stable configuration. So, the sovereign planet looks really cool, sure. I'd love if planets could actually look like that. But in the end, there are only two ways a planet could end up in that shape. It would have to be super small, like asteroid-sized, or it would have to be made up of some material with insanely high structural forces. 
In my mind, I am going to believe that Sovereign is made of some special material to hold it together, which just makes it even cooler. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more— and they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.